The following is a recording of the Thomas Paine Unitarian Universalist Fellowship. We are located in Collegeville, Pennsylvania. We are also located on the web at www.tpuuf.org. Please come visit us. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it is not proud, love bears all things. We know these words, use these words when we refer to one person loving another. Love looks different when we relate to systems. Love looks different in the face of injustice. It is then that love is resistant, love is defiant. Love is not backing down, it is staying in the streets. Love is holding each other and ourselves accountable. Love is challenging because none of us is free until all of us are free. Love is protest, protest is love. Love bears all things. Welcome to this time and this place of love, a love which will only ask of you to bring who you are to our shared life of justice, a love which will hold you accountable to the highest ideals that you hold for yourself. This community is one based on that love which is patient, which is kind, which is resistant and defiant and challenging. And you, you who have been hurt a thousand times, you who have hurt others a thousand times, you are welcome here. I'm Reverend Andrew Weber. I am serving here as lead minister, lead pastor of a community of ministers offering insight and care to those who also offer insight and care. Thomas Paine is a welcoming and nurturing community dedicated to inspiring spiritual growth and fellowship for adults and children, caring for our environment, promoting social justice and equality in the larger community. That's our mission statement. That is who we are. And here is where we make real those words, right? That's, this is where we bring life to that text. So come, join together in worship. Come, join together in promoting justice and inspiring one another. Please join with me in worshiping this morning. And today, today's going to be a little bit weird because the, the chairs are a little further back, so I may start walking more forward. <laughs> so if I go too far, just like, hey, back it up a little bit. As we start, I want to remind you to put your devices on worship mode so that we can worship together. And each Sunday, we light two lamps. And something that we do every Sunday, 
every time we come together, sometimes we get so used to it that we forget why we do it. It's like, oh yeah, we light the chalice and the peace lamp. Okay, great. Okay, we light the, yeah, okay, we do that. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about this chalice and the peace lamp. The flaming chalice is the symbol of our free faith. It's a symbol created at a time of war, showing a way of hope for those oppressed and in danger. It's a symbol. It's a symbol, but it stands for something much larger than itself. Unitarian Universalist history is held in that symbol. So our hopes and dreams of generations who have gone before us longing for a better world also contained are our hopes and dreams, that which we desire to create in the world. The flaming chalice is a beacon for people searching, showing the way to a safe place, a place you can be authentic. It's a point of connection for ourselves and others across the globe this morning. It is all of that and more. Just like Unitarian Universalism, just like our lives, it is multifaceted, it is confusing, it is beautiful. Truly, our chalice contains multitudes. And I'm going to offer up an opportunity for you all this morning. Who would like to come forward and light our chalice? Ryan, you stood up with, yeah, absolutely. We have a neat electronic lighter. And if you stay for the peace lamp. The second flame we kindle is specific to our congregation and speaks to our hope for a more peaceful world. Each Sunday, we reiterate words so that they might permeate into our actions, that our actions might help bring about peace that we desire in the world. So please join with me. May peace be with you. We're going to start by singing hymn number 146. If you have a hymnal, they're in the back if you want one. The lyrics will also be up on the screen. 146, soon the day will arrive.
If anyone would like to come forward to get a better view of the picture, to join me up here, to read along. I have two copies of the book, so you can read along now. Or I can just, I, come on, Ryan. He's got my back today. Do you want to read too? Yeah, we can just sit, yeah, we can just sit here and read together. Yertle the Turtle. And other stories, but we're just going to do Yertle the Turtle today. On the faraway island of Salamasand, Yertle the Turtle was king of the pond. A nice little pond. It was clean. It was neat. The water was warm. There was plenty to eat. The turtles had everything turtles might need. And they were all happy, quite happy indeed. They were until Yertle the king of them all, decided the kingdom he ruled was too small. I'm ruler, said Yertle, of all that I see, but I don't see enough. That's the trouble with me. With this stone for a throne, I look down on my pond, but I cannot look down on the places beyond. This throne that I sit on is too, too low down. It ought to be higher, he said with a frown. If I could sit high, how much greater I'd be. What a king. I'd be ruler of all I could see. So Yertle the Turtle King lifted his hand, and Yertle the Turtle King gave a command. He ordered nine turtles to swim to his stone, and using these turtles, he built a new throne. He made each turtle stand on another's one's back, and he piled them all up in a nine-turtle stack. And then Yertle climbed it. He sat down on the pile. What a wonderful view. He could see most a mile. All mine, Yertle cried. Oh, the things I now rule. I'm king of a cow, and I'm king of a mule. I'm king of a house, and what's more beyond that, I'm king of a blueberry bush and a cat. I'm Yertle the turtle, oh, marvelous me, for I am the ruler of all that I see. And all through that morning he sat there up high, saying over and over, a great king am I, until long about noon. Then he heard a faint sigh. What's that? snapped the king. And he looked down the stack, and he saw at the bottom a turtle named Mac. Just a part of his throne, and this plain little turtle looked up and he said, Beg your pardon, King Yertle. I have pains in my back and my shoulders and knees. How long must we stand here, your majesty, please? Silence, 
The king of the turtles barked back, I'm king, and you're only a turtle named Mac. You stay in your place while I sit here and rule. I'm king of a cow, and I'm king of a mule. I'm king of a house and a bush and a cat, but that isn't all. I'll do better than that. My throne shall be higher, his royal voice thundered. So pile up more turtles. I want about 200. Turtles, more turtles, he bellowed and brayed, and the turtles way down in the pond were afraid. They trembled, they shook, but they came. They obeyed. From all over the pond, they came swimming by dozens, whole families of turtles with uncles and cousins, and all of them stepped on the head of poor Mac. One after another, another they climbed up the stack. Then Yertle the turtle was perched up so high he could see 40 miles from his throne in the sky. Hooray, shouted Yertle, I'm king of the trees, I'm king of the birds, and I'm king of the bees, I'm king of the butterflies, king of the air. Ah me, what a throne, what a wonderful chair. I'm Yertle the turtle, oh marvelous me, for I am the ruler of all that I see. Then again from below in the great heavy stack came a groan from that plain little turtle named Mac. Your Majesty, please, I don't like to complain, but down here below we are feeling great pain. I know up on top you are seeing great sights, but down at the bottom we too should have rights. We turtles can't stand it. Our shells will all crack. Besides, we need food. We are starving, groaned Mac. You hush up your mouth, held the mighty King Yertle. You've no right to talk to the world's highest turtle. I rule from the clouds, over land, over sea. There's nothing, no, nothing that's higher than me. But while he was shouting, he saw with surprise that the moon of the evening was starting to rise. Up over his head in the darkening skies, what's that, snorted Yertle. Say, what is that thing that dares to be higher than Yertle the king? I shall not allow it. I'll go higher still. I'll build my throne higher. I can and I will. I'll call some more turtles. I'll stack them to heaven. I need about 5,607. But as Yertle the turtle king lifted his hand and started to order and give the command, that plain little turtle below in the stack, that plain little turtle whose name was just Mac, decided he'd taken enough, and he had. And that plain little turtle got a little bit mad, and that plain little Mac did a plain little thing. He burped. And his burp shook the throne of the king. And Yertle the turtle, the king of the trees, the king of the air and the birds and the bees, the king of a house and a cow and a mule. Well, that was the end of the turtle king's rule. For Yertle, the king of Salamasand, fell off his high throne and fell plunk in the pond. And today, the great Yertle, that marvelous he, is king of the mud. That is all he can see. And the turtles, of course, all the turtles are free as turtles, and maybe all creatures should be. Thanks. Today, for our, thank you very much. This is, we should remember this, not only in speaking up to injustice, but when all those turtles kept coming and not saying anything. Oh, something to think about. Our recessional hymn today, we're, going to, we're switching up lots of things, but this is a song you maybe know. It's This Little Light of Mine. The lyrics will be up here and also uh, in your hymn.
hymnal, if you wish, 118. So let's sing. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. We have a reading today that comes from um, Theodore Parker, who's a Unitarian minister who really sh helped shape the faith that we have today. He was forefront in pushing members and ministers to look at what was essential in religion and what was, in, in his view, not essential. His writings really helped shape the reality of Unitarianism uh, as a little bit further from its Christian heritage and more toward the faith we know today, the faith of accepting more diverse theologies. He was almost kicked out because he was not Christian enough at a time when that was very important to Unitarianism. In 1852, he wrote the sermon, Justice and the Conscience, which helped inspire Reverend Martin Luther King uh, and his famous quote about the moral arc of the universe. From Parker. Look at the facts of the world. You see a continual and progressive triumph of the right. I do not pretend to understand the moral universe. The arc is a long one. My eye reaches but little ways. I cannot calculate the curve and complete the figure by the experience of sight. I can divine it by conscience. But from what I see, I am sure it bends towards justice. Things refuse to be mismanaged long. It's a quote we may know, but in different forms. MLK stated that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. It's quoted his, um, uh, in DC at the memorial for MLK. 
I like that. I like that. But I like Theodore Parker's line about humility. My eye reaches but little ways. I cannot calculate the curve and complete the figure by experience of sight. I can divine it by conscience. I like that discerning humility because this idea has always brought, the idea of the, the moral arc of the universe has always brought a couple questions up to my mind. And the first, the sort of cynic in me, my first question is, does the moral arc of the universe actually bend toward justice? I mean, it's easy for me to say, oh, yeah, times now are better than they used to be. Yeah, yeah. But is that a universal truth? I mean, is everything getting more moral, more just? Slavery is no longer legal in this country. But institutions and systems still exist, which continue to exploit, dehumanize, oppress, and sometimes much less obvious ways. I was looking at the CDC um, to get some of this, some of the real data and the CDC, the data show that racial and ethnic minority groups throughout the United States experience higher rates of illness and death across a wide range of health conditions, including diabetes, hypertension, obesity, asthma, heart disease, when compared to their white counterparts. Additionally, the life expectancy of non-Hispanic black Americans is four years lower than that of white Americans. And from the Pew Trust, research has shown that black and Hispanic individuals are like, more likely than white people in similar criminal histories and charges, similar criminal histories and charges to be arrested and held in jail before trial. And they tend to have higher bails set and receive lengthier and more punitive sanctions such as incarceration rather than probation. Black people are assigned higher bail amounts than white individuals, even though black defendants are more likely to have lower median incomes before incarceration. And higher bail is associated with increased pretrial time in jail, which has been linked in turn to greater likelihood of conviction. Okay. All right. So the current state, we can say it's, it's better than slavery, than legalized slavery. I, I mean, I, I, I will make that statement. You may always agree or disagree with me. But what about in countries where slavery is legal, where oppression of women is sanctioned, where child labor is the norm, where war rages or hunger ravages? Just because we are feeling more comfortable doesn't mean that everything is better. That's not, that's not valid logic, right? I, I mean, I could keep on going. Yes, women's, women have more rights now, but are still paid less than their male counterparts. The Center for American Progress says it's 84 cents per the dollar. Incomparable education, incomparable employment. Personally, when I go out running in the dark, because I like to run, sometimes it's dark, I don't have to worry about being arrested or being accosted. My running friends who are female or black do have to worry about being arrested or being accosted. I could keep, I could keep on going with this. I'm going to shift a little bit. And here's a, here's a tough one because I'm shifting to a different place. What about environmental justice? For almost every significant technological advance, and a push toward a better future, we're taking a little bit more, another bite out of our natural home. 
a smartphone in your pocket, right here. Materials need to be mined, shipped, refined. It's not even talking about making it yet, it's just like getting the materials, refining it. Each step taking up energy and resources. So actually using something isn't a big resource, but the production. And then what happens when we're done with them? I mean, I have, I've gone through more than just one phone. What happens? Are they recycled? Are the, are the hazardous materials taken out and reused? I don't know. Sometimes yes, sometimes not. Oops. Right. And my smart device just heard me talking bad on it, and it's not messing it up. Right? I mean, and that's just a phone. That's just a phone. We're not mentioning the reality that probably all of our devices, probably all of our devices were mined, were manufactured by enslaved children and adults. Yeah, I'm not, just, I'm not just making this up. I mean, the data show that children are working 12 to 14 hours in dangerous conditions to main co mine cobalt for smartphone batteries. Workers in China are locked in factories to put together this little miracle of science. Okay, so I got, I got off the environmental track, but we build roads, we fly planes, we eat avocados in the wintertime, we heat or cool our houses, we light up buildings, we bury or burn our trash, in the name of progress. So what happens to the environment when all this progress is happening? Does the moral arc of the universe include the environment? Or is that just, you know, we're not talking about the environment, we're talking about other stuff with the moral arc of the universe. I mean, can we truly say that the natural world is more just than it has been in the past? I, I, I think maybe that arc is going away from justice rather than toward it. So does the moral arc of the universe bend toward justice? This is what I, I get to thinking. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Can we say that? Can we say, I, I don't, maybe some places it is and maybe some places it's not. And maybe in some countries it is and maybe in some countries it's not. All in all, I personally, I'm more troubled than when I started the sermon. It's not, it's not a great place to write. I mean, this is one of the problems with, with this quote and some of the music we're hearing with the story too and why I picked these, this, the, the silly but meaningful picture, right? It's like, I'm not, I'm not sure, but my conscience tells me that the moral arc bends toward justice. Waiting, I mean, yeah, it's nice to say that. Oh, I'm waiting on the world to change. Okay, my conscience tells me it's going toward justice. Oh, soon the day will arrive if we wait and see what a world there can be. We keep waiting, keep waiting for that world to change. And herein lies the problem with social injustice, with a broken world, there's so much to do. There's so much to do, so much healing needed. I look at the scope of injustice and I feel at once overwhelmed and powerless. So what if my phone might have been made by children and the soybeans I ate lead to de deforestation? I need to have a phone and I need to eat. Nothing I can do can make a difference. Where, I mean, where would I even start? What would I do? How would I do anything to change how this is created? Quit my job, get rid of my belongings, become a subsistence gardener and live off the grid? Okay, yeah, I mean, that, that might make an impact, but how can I possibly make a difference? And then why should I even try? That's, that's where I feel myself going. And I'm not even getting 
to the amount of work or dedication that it would take after such a drastic step. And, and even more, I mean, it, there's even more. I mean, there's a war going on in Ukraine. Has been for two years. There's a war quite probably with a goal of genocide happening against Palestinians. Yet I get up in the morning and I worry about whether my sermon is long enough or inspiring enough. I'm going to get my children on the bus worrying about their homework assignments and how we're going to fit dinner in between after-school activities. And I come here concerned about my outfit, how I'm going to look, how I'm going to present, without much thought to the injustices in my communities, without much thought of the injustices that I promote, maybe, or benefit from. Oh, God, you know what? This wasn't meant to be such a downer. And I wasn't thinking, I'm going to get these people so upset today. No, I, or myself. But you know, if we want to make the world a better place, we, know, we have to know where we're starting. We have to know where we are, what's happening, right? We can't just, well, I'm going to make the world a better place. So it's already pretty good. No. That's the truth, though. I benefit from privilege, right? I promote injustice where I shop, how I act, how I live, how I drive. Archbishop, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, um, chast, he's chastening himself as much as others, just as, just as I try to do. I preach to myself and other people. Desmond Tutu says, if you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. If an elephant has its foot on the tail of a mouse and you say that you are neutral, the mouse will not appreciate your neutrality. Right? I mean, like, if you're neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. I'll let that sit in a little. That hurts. So what do we do? Where do we go from here? So often we, and when I say we, I say I. This is to me, too. I take ethical dilemmas as thought experiments, like a conversation to be held over a coffee hour, or sometimes mentioned in matters of the heart, right? Oh, God, there are terrible things happening in Gaza. Can you pass me a tea bag, please? Oh, right? I mean, or, or I get up and I, I have heaviness in my heart for all those people wrongly incarcerated. And I'm also happy to, that I learned how to ride a bike. Oh, yes. Oh. I know I'm being crass, I know I'm being a bit rough. It's still good to share our thoughts over coffee hour. It's still good to come up here and share our inspiration and our sadness about the world and our lives. I'm preaching to myself also, though, here. It's, about, it's okay to talk about the news and then move on, but what do we do? Where do we act? Where do we act? When do we stop waiting for the day? When do we stop standing around like, I'm waiting for the day to arrive, I'm waiting for the world to be better. Okay, all right. When do we stop waiting and, and, and do something? How do we do that? If we care, if we share, you and me. I, like, I really like the lyrics, but sometimes I feel like caring and sharing isn't quite enough. It's a good starting place. I want to resist. I want to protest and march and bring liberation to my siblings in bondage. I want to wage peace on all the war makers. I want to join in a community of love which outshines all injustice. 
So what can we do? How do we stop systemic sexism, racism, turn back the clock on environmental devastation, help people feel each other's humanity rather than their differences? Now, I have, a, I have a, at one time, and I have too many and too few ideas. That's, I'm like, I have all these ideas, and like, oh, my, nothing's going to work. Okay, right? I mean, we travel less. We, ch we change your eating habits, write your representative, volunteer, donate, vote, hug, join with others, march, protest, create moving art, share your ideas with others, change where you shop, what you buy. I mean, like, did you get all that down? I'm like, we can keep on going. There's so many more, and you each have a huge litany of lists. We're like, well, we can do this and this and this. And part of our mission, I said it this morning, part of our mission is to promote social justice. That's part of why we come here. And I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, where to shop, or what to eat. Because not only do I not have that authority, but that's not my job. No, my job, my, my authority is more on the theological side of things. Which brings me, after all this downer reality check, to my message. And my message is two points here. Two points. You are important. Be mindful. That's a five words. That's five words. That's good. I got that. You are important and be mindful. It's so simple. Oh, but so difficult, too. Just like many simple things here. You are important. What you do, how you act, makes an impact on the world. If you've heard me before, you know, like, wow, this is really new for me, Andrew. It's like, no, no, I say this a lot because it's so true and so hard. What you do makes an impact on the world. You are important. It all has an impact. Your love, like the proverbial pebble dropped in a lake, ripples out to everyone else, to all other places. When you sneer at someone or say something unkind or buy the cheaper alternative, which is, might have been made in a sweatshop, or go for the better performing stocks, which may have ties to defense contractors, or you eat out-of-season food, your actions make an impact. Just as when you smile at someone, when you choose the more expensive product with proof of just practices, when you go for the uh, less well-performing stocks that are social justice-minded, when you eat local or plant-based, your actions have an impact. Right? That's what I mean by you are important. You are important and you help create the world as it is. You create the world. It's not just the world. No, no. It's us, too. It's you. Want to see paradise? Then help create it. That's it. Which brings me to that second point of be mindful. I'm not going to tell you what to do, whom to vote for, what to buy, but I will tell you how to vote, how to buy. Do it with your values. Do it with your values, your religion, your faith. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. With a discerning mind and a mindful eye about what you believe. My faith is that all of us, all of life is divine. Okay, how do I keep that in mind when I'm traveling for vacation? Oh, that's, that's hard. Right? I believe in peace. Am I mindful about where there is violence and how I might promote peace? Might stop promoting violence? Mac the turtle has the right idea. He gets, he gets this message. 
He gets it. He sees an injustice. He's, he's part of the injustice. He's being oppressed. What about all those turtles who were in the pond and didn't say anything? And they're like, oh, the, he only took nine of the turtles and stacked them up. Oh, it's not me. Oh, we only took 200. And they're like, oh, wait, hold on. Yertle's taking all of the turtles, right? Mac knows that he can make a difference in the world. He knows that he's important. He believes that he's important. And then he speaks up. He says something. He's like, hey, Yertle, don't forget us down here. We can't see anything. Our, our shells hurt. He's ignored. Great example of social justice work. He speaks up again. He's like, hey, hello. He's ignored again. And then he does his very small, very big action. He burps. <laughs> he burps, but disrupts the whole thing. Yertle comes falling down. Yeah, it helps create a better reality where all turtles and maybe all beings can be free. That's the goal. That's the goal. It's not always so easy as burping. <laughs> oh, if only... Oh my gosh, let's go get some soda. If only it were so easy. It's not always that easy. It's not always that obvious, right? What do I do? What do I do? I don't know. I talk with other people. I say, what are you doing? How are you living your values? How are you making sure that, that your investments and that what you buy and how you live and how you act is creating a more loving, more just world? Then we try to do it. Then we try to do it. Remember that. You are important, and be mindful. Don't remember the injustice, but also lift up our lives to the possibility of action. And I'll do that with another version of the hymn we heard. There was some Hebrew in the hymn. It's originally a Hebrew song, and this is a, a wonderful rendition we'll, we'll hear. Uh, just let this wash over you. Remembering the work that needs to be done. Remembering that you are important. Remembering to be mindful. Amen. Two, three, and... will just disappear and the children will smile in a world that's gotten better so let's bring in a healthy new year wait and see wait and see what a world there can be and we know that there's always tomorrow Oh.
I am Nikki, um, now's the time and service where we do matters of the heart, joy that's lifting you up or a sorrow that's bringing you down. Um, also, thanks to Linda Stoffer and Tony Black, we have a care team here at TPUF. So if you or you know somebody in the congregation that can use some help or needs a friend, please don't hesitate to contact us. And we can bring this time of sharing to a close. Uh, as Andrew mentioned, there's a couple things that are new today. So instead of Spirit of Life, for one of the familiar sung responses, we're going to do something new. Can I see another woe? Another's woe, sorry, which is hymn number 127 in the hymnal if you have one. And otherwise, the words will show up on the screens for everybody. Oh. 
a meditation from Richard S. Gilbert. As we leave this community of spirit, may we remember the difficult lesson that each day offers more things than we can do. May we do what needs to be done, postpone what does not, and be at peace with what we can be and do. Therefore, may we learn to separate that which matters most from that which matters least of all. Blessed be. If you would, please rise in body or spirit for our closing hymn, 131, Love Will Guide Us. Love will guide us, peace has tried us, hope inside us will lead the way. change the world with your love. Love will guide us, peace has tried us, hope inside us will lead the We extinguish our flames each Sunday, holding the symbols in our hearts, knowing that the beacon of hope remains clear, the wish for peace remains strong. May we go forth to meet oppression with freeing justice, hatred with healing love, and despair with unfailing faith. May it be so. Amen.